It's interesting to see the best of someone, their journey, and their decisions that counteract what is going on around them. We love to see them rise above what is holding them down. And for some, that is enough. But for others, they always find themselves attracted to the downfall as well as the triumph. The journey that might not show a happy ending, but a realization, a connection, from the characters themselves to the audience about something that they can relate to. And in Taxi Driver, it reveals this grim isolation, this dark underbelly of the city, of life, of the main protagonist, and the struggles that many can understand behind closed doors. This is Two Takes, and this is One Shot, an analysis of Taxi Driver. Spoilers are throughout. We follow Travis, an honorably discharged war veteran who applies for the job as a taxi driver, accepting any customer, going anywhere, working long hours to make some meaning come back into his insomnia-ridden days and nights. His isolation, at the beginning at least, was like it's a chosen profession, until he realized it's like a monster on his shoulder. He can't get rid of it, no matter how many times he tries. He subconsciously pushes people away to maintain their loneliness even though it's the main villain of his torments. It's a strange thing. Another opposition would be Travis working anytime, anywhere, sounding as though he is showing acceptance and equality for everyone, or maybe because of his insomnia. But then we realise he's a misanthrope, a person who has a general dislike or distrust for the human species. He chose to see the worst of the worst, perhaps because that's where he's most comfortable, most at peace, or a way to feed his hatred. He went to war, coming back to a country in turmoil, betrayed by the government to the streets of New York, not recognising his own city, not being able to fit in. His daily intake of the taxi driver life feeds his hatred that boils under a solid surface, under control for the most part, but it also feeds his trauma from the war that left him with psychosis of extreme paranoia. And this paranoia is what we realise is an under control. He's a taxi driver for something to do, to fill the time. And it does for a while, until it doesn't. He creates an almost delusional sense of grandeur for himself, and lies to his parents about this. Travis is a guy that once you get into a conversation with him, you never know what he's going to say or do. And that kind of man shows a violent and unpredictability. He talks about the trash on the streets, and the people who disgust him, wishing for the rain to wash everything away, and they can only make us wonder what he did in the war to feel disgust for everything and everyone. Loneliness has followed me my whole life, everywhere. In bars and cars, sidewalks, stores, everywhere. There's no escape, and God's the only man. Travis finds others lonely in crowds, like Betsy and Iris, completely different in their circumstances, age, profession, but linked by this interpretation that Travis was found by observing them. Betsy, in the crowds of her workplace, was seen as his angelic goddess. After watching her, Travis plucked up the courage to ask her out. Sensing a connection to her honest conversation about loneliness, Betsy agreed on the date. She's open, and can be seen to do no wrong. And for a couple more days after that, they seemed to get along, until she was taken to a dirty movie theatre, and the blossoming romance was cut short. 
She does not want to see what porn movies can represent. In many ways, porn shows the vulnerability and nakedness of people in fits of pleasure and expression. Perhaps this is why Travis watches porn a lot. He knows it's not real, but it's really happening. And in war, it's happening, but you cannot quite believe it. It has the same connecting illusion, the disbelief of the proof that it's happening right in front of you. And maybe that is what Travis felt in Betsy's company, unable to comprehend his luck, until it ran out based on mistakes that he can't understand because of his own trauma that we don't get to see, with one of them thinking that watching porn films on dates is considered normal. This is where Betsy might feel uncomfortable, in relation to the porn, because she refuses to truly express herself, instead hiding the crowd of workers behind one person's vision, in which Betsy's belief behind the campaign was questioned about multiple times. Almost as if Betsy is attracted by people with a purpose, a drive, rather than the meaning behind their actions, which does spring up at the very end of the film when they see each other for the last time in the taxi. Travis's reasons for his actions in the end of the film were never questioned, but we can see a quiet attraction, respect, and appreciation from Betsy to Travis through the lack of communication. But where Travis is, instead of mind, he is not interested in what she's willing to give. He was wanting more. A goddess was not enough for him, since he had a taste for power from the heavens above. These social mistakes shows more about Travis, how his social norms are slightly off. His jokes are not hitting the punchline, his seriousness is not quite grasping at the main straws, his honesty comes off endearing, but his flirtations come off as creepy and questionable. Travis uses whatever phrases suit his purpose, often coming across as what Betsy describes as a prophet and a pusher. The main aspect of that quote, which describes Travis perfectly, is him being like a walking contradiction. Betsy only sees a fragment of him, but her words ring true. We find him disgusted by sex and prostitutes, but surrounds himself with pornography and takes prostitutes in his cab. He wants to be good to his body, but we find him drinking and taking pills, pouring alcohol in his breakfast. He hates everyone, yet says and does nothing. He's lonely, but pushes people away. The list can go on. Betsy, like an unobtainable goddess, glows within the crowds, exploring his ideals and finds him not worthy. But Travis was the one that put her on the pedestal, until he busts into her workplace, concluding that she's just the same as the rest of them. Finally letting that godlike idea of her go, placing her back on the ground, and understanding that she's not a mill tick over something better, because she has problems, she makes mistakes, just like him. His hatred bursts out of her, and then for everyone, not realising that he is like the people he despises. His isolation turns from loneliness, powerlessness, to delusions of grandeur. But given these choices, because Travis feels like he needs to do something outside of himself, it's this sense of powerlessness in Travis's own life that merges Iris's lack of power that makes Travis reach out. From a goddess that was physically unobtainable, he goes to a whore that is emotionally inaccessible. From someone so high up to someone lower than him, he wishes to do something. But don't get confused with illusions of grandeur to mean saving someone from something. And who he chooses is a girl that jumped into his cab and was yanked back out again by a pimp, with Travis being paid for his silence. It made a lasting impression, to which had Travis thinking about long after the sun came up. For a moment it looks as though his actions of killing the people controlling Iris was perhaps a way to save her, 
but a theory could be shown that, like I said earlier, it could be another walking contradiction. Travis saves her, with all the heroism put in place, but the reasons were further than the reality that we can comprehend. The beauty lies in Travis letting people interpret their own way. And for Iris to interpret Travis's reasons to hang out with her and help her, be left to our imaginations. Because Iris is the thing Travis hates, a prostitute. She does that as a profession, with an awkward scene between her and Travis in the hotel sprouting a professionalism that shows Iris having to take to this life with an abandonment of her dignity and morals. And we realise it's because she has no choice, lost in the fairy tale that she is loved and wanted by her pimp. Not asking to be saved, not asking for anything. Accepting her fate, not searching for change through someone else, like Betsy. Iris is shown to be more outspoken, feeling uncertain and uncomfortable about how what she does is talked about so easily and so disapprovingly with Travis, when all she knows is what others want from her, never really thinking about herself. Travis makes her consider herself. But remember, she never asked for any of this. The choices were Travis's, and like any other customer, Iris just went along with what he wanted to do with her. And for Travis, it wasn't about saving her in the act of selflessness. It was because he so happened to have the time and the money to. He did act like a friend, almost like a father figure, sure, but this all goes back to the powerlessness in his life that is crushing him. He saves her because in the grand scheme of things, she can be saved, unlike Betsy who didn't need to be saved. A theory could be that within the army, he had a sense of power, being able to do anything and being applauded for it, and yet here, he is not needed. So he takes matters into his own hands, in a quest of power. Firstly buying guns, acting with them in the mirror, and then actually using them. Violence can be in many forms, and this is explored further in my Shutter Island episode. But with Travis, it was almost like going further into the void of what it was like within the war. He changes his hairstyle, becomes more confident, but his plan is questionable. It looks like he's going to attempt to kill the senator-to-be, but runs away when seen. And yet, the shooting is of multiple people where Iris works, starting with her pimp, until he gets to her room, finds an almost suddenness to the carnage. From running from one person to the other, whether to help or hinder them, seems almost useless at this point. The killings were like an expression of rage, almost directionless, until it's done. The feeling of power flows through him, and as a final send-off, Travis points the gun to himself. But it's empty. He was meant to perhaps keep learning these lessons until he gets it right. And in the end, with the final scene of Travis looking back through the car mirror with a frown, it blends with the imagery of New York nightlife like the first scene of the film. It goes round and around. Travis didn't learn anything at all, and his paranoia still reigns supreme. Like being applauded in the war, he was applauded again for his act of heroism, but it would never be enough to satisfy his thirst for something more. And so, we come to realise that he's going to do it again, and this time, it might not be hidden behind saving someone. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed what was said, then please support the show from my Patreon. And if you want to know what's happening next, follow my Instagram. To know my day-to-day thoughts, follow my Twitter. And if you want to read what was said instead, then follow my blog, linked elsewhere. With your support, I can only make this better, so again, thank you from the bottom of my heart.